You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, they get to him, oh, he takes off running, and he's in, touchdown Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome back as we dive fin too deep. As always, I'm your host, Reason, and your other host, my partner in crime, Neil Driscoll, is joining me as usual. Um, the Dolphins coming off a huge win. Um, they have won six in a row, something they've only done twice since we entered the 2000s. Um, now they're looking to potentially make it seven in a row, um, potentially climb out uh, of that cellar back into above 500 territory, obviously. And I mean, we're out here. We are in the, we are officially in the hunt, Neil. But before we get into everything, my friend, um, some somber news came down the pipeline in regards to um, the Dolphin fan community um, and our good buddy Bill. So take it away, Neil. Yeah, absolutely. Reason I wanted to start this uh, this week's episode, kind of giving a shout out to a big time Dolphins fan um, who, who's in a you know undesirable uh, situation. So um, you know, the, social media is is a two sided coin. You know, there's a lot of toxic, a lot of hate, a lot of fighting on Twitter between the fan base. But you know the fan base, uh, you know social media, Twitter, Facebook has brought me closer to a lot of Dolphin fans as well. You know that's how reason I met, and, and we do this, uh, we do this podcast on a weekly basis. And, and one guy that um, you know I definitely ran into to talk Dolphins, and I was always in all of his memorabilia collection was Bill Hetrick. Um, his wife had posted something that you know kind of said that you know his his health situation has progressed to a point where. You know, it, it appears that his days on Earth are are, are numbered at this point. And, you know, he's um, going to be sedated. He's with his family, um, you know, barring some miracle. Uh, you know, he's going to be taking that trip up to heaven here in the near future. And as you can imagine, dealing with such a tremendous loss for his family at, at this time of year, it, it's very difficult. But, you know, I, I think what we wanted to do for this week is dedicate this week's podcast to Bill um, you know, I I know you'll be listening somewhere, wherever you are, and we just want to let you know that uh, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. Um, you know, I do believe in miracles, and and hopefully you find one. Um, you know, and if not, keep um, you know a spot open for all of us when it's our time to come up there, find the biggest screen, and we'll all watch the Dolphins together sometime. So, you know, uh, you know, obviously condolences and prayers to his family, and um, just just tremendous loss to the Dolphins community. Always a positive guy, right? Always wanted to talk positive. I I, I was kind of looking back through some messages today and, and just the passion he had towards the team. Um, again, his memorabilia collection. I I mean, I have one. I think we all have some semblance of one. Um, you know, he practically had like the Toys R Us of memorabilia in his house, like aisles and everything. It, it, it was so impressive to see. But, you know, just again, just to reemphasize, you know, we, we're definitely thinking and praying for Bill and his family. 
Um, you know, the dolphin community does a tremendous job at co coming together. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's what, this is one of these moments. And, uh, you know, again, Bill, best of luck. Hopefully, um, you, you get that miracle buddy and, uh, we're all thinking about you. And we're all praying that it does happen. Yeah. That miracle. Amen. Hey, Miami dolphin fans have experienced at least one miracle in the last five years. Hopefully him and his family get another miracle coming down their pipeline. Um, obviously, prayers and thoughts are with Bill. Um, and from that, we shift to um, the Dolphins coming off a 31-24 um, a victory over the New York Jets. Um, second time we saw them this season. Obviously, um, coming off the bye, we did look rusty, especially to a tongue of a To be all agree, it was one of, if not the worst game of his professional career as he went 16 to 27, 196 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, um, comparatively to Zach Wilson, who was 13 to 23 for 170 yards. Um, you look at the offense, another day where under Tua Tungvaloa, we put up in or around or over 400 yards. We had about 379 of offense, but that's because we had 183 yards rushing. The Duke showed up. For the Miami Dolphins, the Duke of Miami, um, he took it by the horn, 22 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Crazy thing about those 107 yards, Neil, 81 of them were after contact. He averaged over 3.8 yards of contact per rushing attempt. Um, fantastic stuff. The Dolphins were also four of five in the red zone, so that's key, um, but, you know, Tua had his struggles. We had three turnovers with two interceptions and a lost fumble. Um, we also had that, obviously, fumble early on that we did not lose where we had the botched handoff where it looked like Duke just clamped down because they don't have that uh, down yet. They, have, they haven't had a lot of reps together, obviously, him and Tua. So, um, but, you know, it was an ugly win. Devontae Parker... 68 yards and a touchdown in the in the absence of Jalen Waddle, who was sorely, sorely missed. It was clearly evident. Um, overall, Neil, uh, you know, I gave Tua, like I told you before, I gave him a C-, and the only reason he didn't end up in the Ds somewhere is because of that responsive drive in the fourth quarter after that um, after that interception, the pick six. But, you know, also – that pick six should have never happened, Neil. I mean, you got the 21-yard gain negated by holds by Robert Hunt and Hunter Long. You know, we get that 21-yard gain right midfield, new set of downs, new set, new circumstances. We're running that ball on first down. We're not pushed back having to, you know, because this offense is not built to make up, uh, you know, for – yardage 15 yards 20 yards we're not built to make up that um we're not built to make up 10 yard penalties we're just not right now and especially without Jalen Waddle might I add um and you know the offensive line played great but they let us down in this in, in on this one and um you know that pick six should it was a bad read bad throw by Tua he shouldn't have made it on top of it it was just another example of whether they kill a drive. Because, I mean, Neil, this isn't the first time where they've actually taken a holding penalty and it's led to an interception from Tua Tungabaloa because we have to throw our way out. 
I mean, previously it's because we couldn't run the ball either, so we had to throw our way out. But, um, you know, I, I, people tried to say, oh, you're defending Tua. You're making excuses for Tua. And obviously that's the context of the situation. It's just like I had people telling me I wasn't defending Tua enough in my DMs because I gave him a C- minus, but told everyone I thought it was the worst game of his career and it should have been in the Ds if it wasn't for that response drive. Um, what were your overall thoughts and takeaways from the game? Because another thing about it, another thing that super, super bothered me, Neil, why was Duke would get us to third and one Duke and Tua would get us to third and one. And then they trot Gaskin out onto the field and on third and one, we're bringing out the 190 back to go get the yards. Yeah. You know, uh, before I jump into the game itself, I just got to say sitting at seven and seven, I'm really proud of this Miami Dolphins team. You know, let's go back in our time machine a couple weeks back, right? We were one and seven. You know, we were talking Flores, Greer, everything was on the table, you know. And you look at the schedule, you know, they beat Houston. They're two and seven. No chance against Baltimore. End up winning. And then, you know, you look ahead at the schedule. Like, you know what? The schedule's in their favor. They can really get to seven, seven. Well, this is the NFL. Looking at a schedule and picking wins and losses is easy. Winning the football games on the field isn't, right? And, for them to claw back into the in the hunt of the playoff kind of you know screen that we see and they're moving up right like uh Bob Barker on the Plinko board but at the end of the day to do what they've done is remarkable and you know a lot of teams would have quit in that situation so what this tells me is that the culture of this football team and this organization is where it needs to be and you know a couple bad breaks have obviously gone our way and we're, we're paying the dividends for it right now, right? We have to win out to make the playoffs. We have a shot at making the playoffs. You know, I think we all knew that Jacksonville loss was going to come back and haunt us, and it still might rear its head. But you have to be proud of this team. But overall, you know, like, was it was an ugly win, but, you know, it, you find out Jalen Waddle's not playing. You find out Javon Holland's not playing, right? Um, you know, you're coming out of the bye week. You come out a little bit rusty. You know, my three game balls go to people that have never got a game ball this season. Jerome Baker? Two sacks, sideline to sideline, you know, playing to his strengths, showing what he can do. And, and it was good to see that. Austin Jackson was a menace against the Jets' defensive front. He was hitting everything in sight. He was winning against Quinn and Williams. I mean, I, like, we've been very critical. The offensive line as a whole was splendid on Sunday. Liam Eikenberg included. Michael Dieter coming back since he's been back from injury. He's played extremely well. You know, I, I still think we need to dedicate some resources to this team in the offseason to build this offensive line the right way. But I'm very encouraged to see these young players getting better. Um, and, and I don't think there's any coincidence that who's pulling the trigger behind him. And then you mentioned Duke Johnson. I mean, you talk about a coming out party. You have just seen how limited the running back situation in Miami has been. I mean, we saw glimpses of Philip Lindsay running hard and, and looking more explosive and hitting the holes harder than Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, or Malcolm Brown did all season. I mean, Duke Johnson just took it to the next level. His, his vision, his ability to bounce outside, create yards after contact, the tough running between the tackles. I mean, it was tremendous. You know, I think some of the things that led to the game being close, I, I think the fake punt was a horrendous call. And you, you know, Clayton Fajetalum, I don't know what was happening there. We pay Fajetalum a lot of money to like, you know, to be a special teams guy. And that was a blunder. I don't know why we didn't line up and just get the yard, though. I, I still don't understand that. You mentioned Hunter Long. You know, maybe we all 
wanted to see him play more because he's a third round pick, but there's no question that he's not ready right now. The two holding calls, you know, the two a pick, you know, it was a horrible throw by two, right? But you know, Hunter Long's got to come back for that ball. He kind of just stared and watched the defender run right in front of him. I mean, Hunter Long and he had a couple nice blocks, but you know, he needs development. Um, I think if Adam Shaheen's healthy to play, he's gonna be the guy who's up and Hunter Long's gonna go back on the inactives. And I think I wouldn't expect expect much from Hunter Long until next season. I, I really don't think he adds a lot of value at this point to the team. Um, Jesse Davis is awful uh, at right tackle. I mean, that that continues to rear its head. That scares me with the opponent we have coming up this week. I mean, he is the number one player that I think we need to replace on this roster in the offseason. And then what everyone wants to talk about is Tua, right? And two interceptions, not good. The interception that led to points for the other team, not good. Early, he was missing a lot of throws. He was high and accurate. I hate that he kind of short threw the ball to Albert Wilson, um, that Albert Wilson had his guy beat by a few yards. Um, it is what it is. The thing about Tua that you can't forget is how he responds to adversity and how he rallied his team. You know, everyone's like, oh, it was just a nine-yard run. You know, that fired the team up. Him running over that defender is one of the coolest things I've seen in a long, long time as a Miami Dolphin fan. Um, if that's the worst that we're going to see at a Tua Tungvaloa in Miami, uh, there's no question that he's a franchise quarterback. Um, and, and I think it's really important to kind of set the standard here is that, you know, if Reese and I are on here and we give to a C minus grade, that doesn't mean we're saying to trade for Deshaun Watson. That doesn't mean that we're here. This is my, this is my issue, Neil. Okay. And I got into this on my post game show because people being overly critical quarterbacks have bad games. Perfect example. Aaron Rodgers coming off an MVP season last year. Do you remember how bad he was in week one and how everyone? Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is done. He's ever, done. Yeah, he's washed. He's done. It's over. I'm like, and, and this is like, okay, because you know I live react to the games on my channel, right, Neil? Yeah. And, bro, when we were down 10 nothing, oh, the comment section, man. Oh, this is pathetic. And I'm just like, relax. It's been a quarter, quarter and a half of football where there's still a lot of football to play. And then I see the mic'd up from Tuba. They get down 10 nothing. The guys come to the sideline. What is Tua saying to everyone? Still a lot of football to play. So right. That's what I kept telling you. Like, it's just, uh, you know, someone said to me that this was one of the best comments I ever made, and they love it. Our fans are so fickle. It's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, there's people on Twitter, my friend. Like, it's one thing for, you know, us to text back and forth and blah, 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 blah. But to put it on a public platform where these guys are one minute, Tua makes a mistake, he's the worst quarterback in the world. Next minute he responds, has a beautiful throw to that DVP throw or that Isaiah Ford throw. Well, he had a couple good – that people are sleeping on that tight window throw that Mosley tried to tried to get a hand on to uh, Ford. Yeah. People are forgetting on that, that one too. Great throw. That great third throw. down throw to Gasecki. He'll make one of those throws and then, oh, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's like – Bro, people be flip-flopping more than a pair of sandals on the beach. And it's like, it's like, relax. Like, uh, you don't have to be so over-emotional. It's like, man, I used to be the guy who, whether it was the Penguins or the Dolphins, if something bad happened, I would throw my controller. Cool. I would always react mad if a bad play happened. But you would never, unless you're consistently showing me you're a bum, I'm not going to 
start trashing. You know what I'm saying? Like I just oh, and these guys are just you know one play, one negative play, you're the worst player ever. One good play or great play, you're the best thing since like it's like you need to over emotional makes you look like a casual because you'd be flip-flopping and we'd be sitting back here watching you. And some of these people think because they're, you know, they watch every game on Sunday or some of them because they're a season ticket holder. It somehow means they know the team better than anyone else. And it's like, and then I watch you being over emotional like this. And it's like, you know, what, like what, it's just, it, it, well, look, honestly, it's so cringe to watch to an extent. Well, bad games are going to happen from everybody. That's what everyone's going to have them. Everyone. Uh, and the other team tries. Now, the one thing I'll say that's unique about the situation about Tua Tungavaloa is that we know all the noise that was around the trade deadline and before the season. And, you know, for some of yeah, us. Yeah, but you know why you can't let that affect you right now? Because it doesn't matter right now. It doesn't. It not. He's not on the team. And as much as we all think that we're going to circle back the wagon around, I mean, you and I have been told that. We yep. believe that. That still doesn't mean we're going to wind up with him. I mean, he could get indicted. We go away from the situation. We could get caught playing patty cake and waiting things out. Another team swoops in that doesn't care, like a Carolina where he has a Clemson connection. And all of a sudden, because uh, Deshaun Watson's tired of sitting on the sidelines and he wants something going on in terms of movement, he accepts a trade to them. Like, Anything can happen. You cannot put all your eggs in that basket. And, and, and the rumor now is the Cleveland Browns might be sniffing. Uh, I mean. I, but no, I, you're right, though. I, to my point, though, it's just like that's that might be the what, what are people are kind of. Bent. And you know who should else should be sniffing? I'm going to tell you right now. Steelers? No. Seattle? The Giants. Oh, yeah, the Giants. Because I, you I, know what? They're going to get First Russell all, Wilson. You know, but hey, man. You've already got two top 10 picks. If he okay to trade to the Gi Giants, he would probably be a Giant right now. And and the reason why I'm saying they should serve the wagon around, I don't know what it is in every sport. The draw and allure of winning in New York. I don't know what it is because it hasn't happened other than the Yankees and since when. You right. know what I mean? Like, let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, the Knicks. Do I got to say any more? You know what I mean? Ewing couldn't put him over the top. You know, the Jets. We, we, we got to go back to, like, what do we got to go back to? Namath days? The Giants, Eli Manning. That's the only one that's recently been a success in, in New York other than the Yankees. And my whole thing is, you know, they actually have a decent defense. And, you know, they got Galladay there already. They got Evan Ingram there who could be revitalized. Saquon Barkley could see a revitalization. They actually have a decent offensive line at times. Like that, yeah. that that's a sleeper, sleeper team because that would work best for everyone in terms of I'm not talking about Dolphin fans. I'm just saying everyone in terms of the Giants and Texans because they would get him out of the AFC. Like I'm sure the last place they want to keep him is in the AFC, bro. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even want to talk about Watson until the, the season's over because, like you just said, it's not really relevant. But I, I'm just trying to, to understand what the fans seem because, you dude, know, like, it's you know, it skewed our coaching staff and our. Well, I don't want to say the coaching staff, but 
it's clearly skewed management if we're hearing that they that I mean, me and you have heard things privately that have led us to believe they have, may have in, internally made a decision even prior to this five or six game winning streak that they were going to circle it back around, and that's kind of skewing their ev- further evaluation and the actual fair opportunity they're giving this kid to win the starting job. So it doesn't even go to the fan base. It seems like there's some internal skew going on because of the Watson thing. And all I'm saying is whether you're a fan or whether you're management, especially if you're management in that building, that's going to be a real awkward conversation. If Watson doesn't end up, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be that nerd in the prom, you know, that nerd in book club or that nerd in, you know, in one of those little, one of those little, one of those little school things. And, you know, they decide, Oh, I'm going to go ask the head cheerleader out to prom. And the head cheerleader says, nah, I'm good. I'm going out with someone else. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm saying this could happen. And then what happens? That nerd's got to tuck his tail back between his legs, walk back to the book club, and go ask out a nerd girl. Go ask out the nerd nerd girl he knew already liked him. And it's going to be a real awkward conversation, man. And, you know, I'm going to tell you this. If they circle that ba- wagon back around and they fail or whatever, if I'm Galu, if I'm Tua, kid, play it out, get better, become the all pro I think you can become, and don't take that hometown discount. Go play for yourself, bro, because they're doing it to themselves. They're doing it to themselves, and all these people. You know what? It's that old Janet Jackson song. You don't know what you got till it's gone, bro. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to miss. Because here's the thing when everyone's getting caught up with Herbert. Big, sexy throws do not win Super Bowls. Efficiency wins Super Bowls. And then you got to make four or five throws in a game that can be the difference. And what I mean by that is look at Tom Brady. His whole The whole M.O. in New England was what? A short to intermediate rhythmic passing game. And then there was four to five throws. Majority of them probably went to Gronk that he would have to make in a game that would be the difference for them. And what's Tua doing right now? Listen, we just talked about it live for these people to hear while 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 they're listening to us, okay? We both agree this guy had a... D game if it wasn't for that responsive touchdown. But me and you are still talking about the two Isaiah Ford throws, the Parker throw, and we're still talking about the Gusecki third down throw. We can still name four throws that blew our mind, and he's having his worst game professionally for everyone to see. Isn't that kind of amazing? And let's not forget about the nine-yard run that changed the momentum of the game. I mean, that was a huge turning point of momentum. And, and like, truck your ass over, bro. Well, and, and for me, like, I don't, I like, if the question is, has Tua proven to be a franchise quarterback yet? He has to me. You know, I, I agree. I, I've gone from he's shown me he's worth investing in to he'll be your franchise quarterback to actually the moxie and the response he had. Like, even in his worst professional game, he was still responding when he made mistakes. Like, Blow my mind to a tongue below it. You never cease to amaze me. I don't care what anyone says. I know they might think it's mythical. I know they might think it's made up, but it exists. Certain guys have it. Michael Jordan had it. 
Tim Tebow had it, just to name a few. Tua Tungvaloa has it, and that's that winner's DNA. I don't I know agree. what it is. He In games he shouldn't win, he will win. And you know what someone said to me today? Yes, wins and losses are not a quarterback stat, but once you get into a certain sample size, 50-ish games, they actually have to start becoming a quarterback stat if you actually think about it because you start basing, you know what I mean? And you look at Tua Tungvaloa's record right now. I want you to think about this for a second, Neil. Okay? He's, what, 12 and 7 in 19 games, right? Yep. Think about this one. I'm ready to blow blow your mind. Check this one out. If you add in, just add in the Jags game and go and add in the Atlanta game. He has, I think there's a total of 15 of his 19 games He's left the field with a lead. Yeah. Like the last time he touched the ball, he had the lead. Well, and he's the most accurate passer in football right now. Think about that, bro. There's only four games where he's and three of those are and three of those games where he left the field without the lead are to who? The Bills who figured us out before Tua even arrived. They just, McDermott just has Flores' number. It's deeper because even when we've limited Josh Allen, McDermott and their staff has outcoached us. So it's not even like a player thing. It's a, they have our, like our coaching staff's number two. It's a, they have our number right now. We're in that right now. And so three of the four times he's let the field without the lead, uh, lead are against a team that just has our team's number. So that blows your mind even more. It, it it does, and, and you know the, he's got the highest com- completion percentage in football as it stands right now, with three weeks remaining on the schedule. Which say you, that number. Say that number. Was it sixty nine point eight? Sixty nine point nine. Nice. Okay, so yeah, two is two is getting a little erotic on us, even. But <laughs> I, 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 like you know, for me, you know, it, it's it, it's beyond all of that. Like you said, it's the it factor on display, and I think the most um intriguing thing about all of this is i think even in the good games and the bad games i think this version of tua that we've seen this season is going to be the worst version of tua we see in his career like people have to give him like we knew, i expect the leap next year is what i actually yeah, i mean he's still he his health is finally coming to form yeah. he's starting to gel with his offense i mean he's had musical chairs around him and ryan fitzpatrick trade rumors with Watson. Everything's been less than ideal yet. This guy still has his team in the hunt for the playoffs. He's the, if he's not the most efficient quarterback in football, he's in the top five. And look, reason you and I both want to see bigger plays. We want to see longer touchdowns, sure. but our but offense isn't built for that right now. Well, I, I don't give a shit as long as every week I look in that. Bro, I want to win. I don't care. I don't need 50, 60 yard bombs, bro. I want to win. I don't need that. But people don't realize this is what blows my mind about all these people wanting these sexy big throws. Dude, those are low percentage throws. Like, what are these people on? These are not high percentage, 60, 70% yet. Although the chance he's one of the lowest in attempts, two is actually one of the highest completion percentages in the NFL from beyond 20 yards. It's just the attempts aren't where people want them to be. But, anyways, it's because those are low percentage. Not only are those low percentage, who's taking the top off defenses right now on our offense? Especially when Waddle's not in there. No one. You know what slows down those explosive offenses is an efficient offense against them, right? Like, 
the, the Tom Brady won seven rings under during that time period. Rodgers has only won one. Yeah. As great of a quarterback as he is, Mahomes has only won one. Lamar Jackson has won zero. Josh Allen has won zero. I mean, Deshaun Watson has won zero. I mean, these quarterbacks that are great players. Russell Wilson has won one. Ben's like, like one of the more successful guys still around from that era, really. Right. But the, what I'm trying to prove is that, like, they you know, all Brady, Brady yeah. has had the big stat years, but most of his career, he's been efficient, smart with Dude, the football, and doesn't turn it over. That's and, what I'm saying. L listen to me. The efficiency wins Super Bowls, not big, sexy throws. And what I mean by that is perfect example. You just brought it up. The year he had Moss and broke the touchdown record, they lost the one game that mattered. Which game was that? Super Bowl Giants, Eli Manning. Exactly. But, but when he's throwing for 25 to 35 touchdowns and around 4,000 instead of 5,000 yards, and they're including the running game, what's happening? They win Super Bowl. Efficiency matters. That's why, dude, Deshaun Watson. He had his best 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. What was it, 48, 4,900 yards? What was their record? Is that Four the and 12. Four and 12. Efficiency matters, bro. Well, I know that's a bad example because their defense. Well, well their you defense need to have a good team. You need to be on a good team. have a good team around you. But still, yeah. what I'm my whole point is that even when you have the sexy stats, it still doesn't mean you're going to win the Super Bowl is one of my whole point with Deshaun Watson there is it's like, like that's a great 4,800 yards, a 33 to seven uh, touchdown interceptions. That's amazing. Like that's awesome. But guess what? Even when the quarterback does put up elite numbers like that, that still doesn't mean you're going to win a Super Bowl. Well, you, you were talking about Tua and this Monday night is the biggest game in his professional career. Um, pressure we'll get does into that though. We'll get yep, into pressure that. does a couple things, right? You know, makes diamond and burst pipes. So we're gonna see what happens. But like, you know that that efficiency, that game manager who has the ability. To I don't make like those. I don't like that term, bro. See, I do. You know why? I don't, man, because I don't think he is. Because a game manager to me was. First of all, all the people, uh, you know, I broke down the film on his channel. All the people wondering about that underthrow to Wilson. If you go watch it, it was all mechanical. Like his body was leaning heavy to his right. If you look at the thing, it would be your left, but his right on the field. Um, but he's not a start hitting those throws. Those yeah, throws yeah but, but I'm just explaining. I'm explaining. If you look at his mechanics, that was an upper, it was all upper body. And that was the issue with that throw. He didn't get a, per, he didn't drive his front foot, point the toe. He didn't even have his, uh, he, he didn't, he didn't have his, uh, toe pointed towards Wilson either. Like he didn't, his mechanics were flawed pressure in his face leaning. It was just like, if he was clean and could properly set his feet and let it rip, it wouldn't have looked like it wouldn't have been underthrown. but I agree. Oh, he does need to make the throw, but it's because if you go watch the play, he had DVP up the seam and he had him for a window, and he looked at DVP up the seam. Then he looked at Wilson. Wilson hadn't broken past his man yet. Then he came to Gesicki in the flats. Then he came back to DVP on the seam. Window was gone. Then he looked to Wilson, and Wilson was starting to create his distance, and he threw it too late. He, If he never made the Gesicki read in the flat, he hits Walt, Walt, he, uh, he'll hit Wilson, and he's not pressured. 
Yeah, you know, well, you know, when I say he's a game manager, it's not my final verdict on him. It's what I think he is right now as a player. He's no, a- what I think is okay. I'm gonna put it this way. I, I get what you're saying, but like when we think of game managers, a game manager can't make that throw to DVP. Yeah, uh, you know, like he- that's a that's Brody. That is a all Madden throw. Like I know all these people play Madden. You go rookie, pro, all pro, all Madden, all Madden. That is an all Madden throw. That is a. That is something that Herbert struggles with because that was all touch and placement. And what one of Herbert's biggest flaws is touch, right? Yep. And everything's on a everything's a rocket from that guy. And that's a throw that I'm gonna say it. I can't name. I don't know if I can name 15 guys in the NFL that can make that throw. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I, 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 mean, I, I don't. I don't know if I can, bro. And you then know, what, the what, Isaiah, the Isaiah four throw, they timed that in two point two seconds. Look at how on the money that was. Like just touch placement. I know you're there. Boom. And I was like, whoo! In two point two seconds to be able to put that kind of touch and placement, like that is ridiculous, dude. Yeah, and what I'm saying more on the game is not the fact that he can't make throws that are wow throws. What he's being asked to do, basically, is what you mean, right? No, and his inability to put up more touchdowns. I mean, he has 14 touchdown passes in 10 games. I mean, that's that's a yeah, game. but that's because thank you, Wildcat, in the in inside the freaking five yard line, all those random times in the to start the season off. I mean, you've seen it. They for some reason I don't know why we talked about this. They take the ball out of his hands inside you know when we weren't running the football they were taking the ball out of his hands for like wildcats and it was just like what are you doing this is what you're this is your successful guy here now if you want the you know i mean he would have had a nice touchdown throw if gaseki didn't let the ball hit him in the face and that would have been like a 20 yarder right sure so i get what you're saying but like it's like he gets them down there and then sometimes they take the ball out of his hands now when they take out the ball out of the hands and they score with Duke Johnson, I don't care. But when you take the ball out of his hands and take reps away from him for Wildcat or some some bull crap like that, you know, I don't like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm going to remain consistent on everything I've said. I, I, I think he's doing everything to head in the right direction. He's proven he's a franchise quarterback. The thing I need to see, and, I, and I've said this for 10 weeks now, I need more touchdowns. And, and I, you know, it doesn't have to just be in the red zone. He's got. Well, he had. Did you see he had DVP wide open on that drag? Well, when, and he, had, when he threw that triple coverage throw in the end zone to get. Yeah. dude, Parker could have had a picnic, and then the next play, he comes back and he gets pressure, and he overthrows Mac Collins. When guess what? Gesicki's in the slot. No one's in the middle of the field. They're all spread up on the line of scrimmage, and he's got no one on the inside, and he's running a kick, kick, uh, quick slant, and the defender gives him inside leverage right away. That's when you throw to Gesicki. That was like Gesicki all day, and I was like, you know, he made two wrong reads right away in the red zone, and I was like, Tua was just off on, you know, he was just off, and I saw a little bit of him being a little bit off on against the Giants too. With his accuracy, like even that touchdown pass to uh, DVP. Now, great of him on the winning throw to audible out because he audibled out of that. He talked about it and he made the right throw. But I don't know if you know it, but Neil, that's his bread and butter throw, that slant. He's made it like we can safely say hundreds of times. And that ball was behind DVP. Yeah, it wasn't a great throw. 
No, but you know what, though? Good for Devontae Parker for hauling in and still making his fingers bugging, Do you think his fingers bug, bugging him still a little I mean, bit? Maybe. You know, I, I also – I just think he was rusty, and I think it was a bad game for him. I think he had – I think he's a very rhythm passer, and he was I having – I love it. I You're, think, yeah. I, I got to send you an article, brother. It's from uh, the 33rd team, and uh, one of the contributors to it is a uh, former UCLA. He was – you know, he spent, I think, 20 years in the NCAA and the NFL between that. Uh, Rip Schreer, he used to work for UCLA, and he actually recruited Tua when he was doing the UCLA recruitments. And he said Tua is – he actually said the streakiness of the Dolphins kind of parallels Tua in the sense of Tua is a very hot-hand quarterback. Right, he, he when, is. When he gets into his rhythm, that's when he starts finding his success and you start seeing the bigger, more confident throws – start coming from him and so do you think the bye week took his rhythm away yeah i, I think it, i think you just kind of summarize it really well confident tua is a dangerous offensive player he makes yeah. those bigger throws he yeah. has more confidence where he's going with the football yeah he he's hit the velocity comes out a little sharper the ball's placement's a little bit better mm -hmm. last week it was evident for a lot of reasons he did not get his rhythm and i think one of the main reasons why is that the best player on the offense jalen waddle wasn't in the game because that is the mm -hmm. guy who builds to his confidence safety valve too right he, yeah he's he's short early he's catching these balls moving the chains you're right i actually didn't think about that that's a good point. he's getting to a hot and yeah. like this is why like and, and, we're and then he'll start going deeper to waddle too like right. that's when yeah, yeah, yeah. right and, and that's where when tua gets confident it, yeah. it's it's great to see so and but that's the guy we're going to need sunday jets, you know like What's at up? least at least we got his bad game against the jets and not against the saints because if he would have had that game against the saints i don't think we win no and and i, and I don't think we do um and, and i think we need so do you expect him to be back in that rhythm next week you, you know we'll get let's get into that in a second because we got we're going to throw a little top, top 10 Go yeah ahead. we're going to do our top ten current dolphins because i first I, my friend the floor is yours Okay, so do you want me to go 10 back to 1? And, and so go 10 to 1, and I've got an honorable mention. I have an honorable mention. I'll start with him, and it's Zach Sealer. That's um, why I have. You cheater. Oh, okay. Cheater. I, and, and I think that, honestly, he might be yeah. the best value player in the entire the most. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. I yeah, said on he, Twitter, I stand by that. If you're the number one run interior defense of player and the only person above you is Aaron Donald, you're doing something right. Um, he just missed mine. I mean, look, his sack that forced that fumble was game changing the other day. He is a lunch pail type of player. He came yeah. from the Baltimore. So I always say this. One of the things I think the Dolphins should always do is poach the Patriots, the Colts, hey. and the Ravens rosters when they make cuts because they draft players that I like that fit the system and turn out to be good things. Zach Sealer has been quite defined. They have two more years remaining on a deal with him. I, you know, it's uncanny that they would do this, but like, I, I don't know if you might start even trying to find a way to get them extended after that. Fourth most, fourth most run stops in the NFL. He's got 20, you know, six. My 10 player, my number 10 overall player here for the Dolphins, and I'm very disappointed with him since the Ravens games, Mike Kosicki. Okay, um, hold on. Are we, we're going off this year's performance. We're not going like just 10 best purely yeah, on the Yeah, team. yeah. Because I, I, I went off this year as well. So Yeah, this this okay. year only. And Gasecki was really clutch when two was out for those injuries. He was showing 
big plays, the ability to outbox defenders. We haven't seen a lot of it. He's still making some nice catches. I don't like how they're utilizing him, and I do think two has missed him in the seam a few times. But I still think Kosicki is somebody who's hovering. At, you know, I, I, the top five tight end praise is way too high. I think way he's more around the 10th range, but I, I'll take that because I still think he has the tools to develop. My number nine is Devontae Parker. Um, I know he's been inconsistent and hurt, but when the guy's on the field, he's a difference maker. He's reliable, clutch. We are really close. We think alike. It's hilarious. Go ahead. I, I, I mean, I just like – and honestly, it's not like we're paying Parker $20 million a year to be here. And next yeah. year we have him for $9 million. I mean, you keep him waddling the sicky here, and you have the foundation to a really good passing attack. You need just one more really good guy. And I, and I still like Lynn Bowden coming back as well. But Devontae Parker, man, in the red zone matters. When the guy's healthy, he's a top 15 receiver in football. And, you know, I know that sounds crazy, but, like, you know, people lie, numbers don't. He 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 just is impressive. I mean, he makes those big catches that get you fired up, that gets the offense head in the right cylinder. He's awesome. My yeah. number eight is Jalen Phillips. Um, I, I, I absolutely think even though he didn't register a sack, he was a menace. I mean, that one play, he almost had Zach Wilson. But eight and a half sacks is a rookie, and I think he's going to end the season with over 10. I mean, when you're in double digits in your rookie year and – you haven't even started to scratch your surface of what you're going to be as a player. You, you can't be nothing but excited about that player. My number seven is Javon Holland. Buddy, get soon. We need you this week. Uh, Holland has just been – I say this, and I don't and I don't say this likely. I think he's everything the Dolphins wanted to make of Fitzpatrick, and he's actually better than Minka was as a, as a rookie. Um, I and, agree. I agree. And that's because he could bring the lumber, and he's a he's – a, you know, Minka's a great football player. I, I, just because he's not a Dolphin, I'm not going to pile on him. But Javon Holland, you know, sign me up. My number six is a guy I actually think got snubbed from the Pro Bowl today, and it's Christian Wilkins. Um, you know, when we drafted him, it was Quinton Williams, Ed Oliver, and Ed Wilkins was the for, forgettable guy. I was Dexter gonna, Lawrence, too, right? Yeah, Dexter, I, Wilkins has, has been as good or better than all of them. And this this year, his sack production, you know, he's not, he's not going to be a sack production kind of guy. He's stout against the run. He tends to make big plays. Like, it's awesome that he has uh, the same amount of receiving touchdowns as Kyle Pitts does this year. Um, and, you know, I, I just think he's a really good football player. And the thing that he oozes is leadership. But Christian Wilkins is having a hell of a season. Number five for me has been Emmanuel Ogba. Another deflected pass, couple sacks. I mean, the guy is just a good football player. I mean, I honestly don't think we're going to have to break the bank to keep him. I, I, mm. I really hope that they pony up, pay him $13 million a year to keep him here. Um, you know, he's just such a good he, – he's been a good find in free agent. For us, getting a lot of shit about what we do in free agency, um, Emmanuel Ogba was the better player than Shaq Lawson. That's why they kept him and let Lawson go. So um, Emmanuel Ogba, man, he he has had a great season. My number four is Byron Jones, and Byron Jones has been an awesome cover corner this year. He's done yeah. his role really, really well. We all wish he had more interceptions. That's just not his game, but I'll tell you, man – there's balls that are thrown down the field, 40 yards out of the field, and I get my freaking heart in my throat, and then I just see Byron Jones knock him away. And, you know, he frustrates me sometimes with his inability to, to tackle, but he has been a really good player. My number three is the quarterback, Tua Tungvaloa, and I, I just think that, you know, you see a whole different Miami Dolphins team when he's in the game. Um, he's everything on and off the field that you want as a quarterback. He's getting better. The national narrative has changed from all the reasons that reason I've talked about on this show. Um, to me, 
He answered the 23-year question since Dan Marino or what 21-year question since Dan Marino or 22 years, whatever it is, since Marino retired. This is the guy that you can bank on long-term being here if that's what the Dolphins do and build around. My number two, and you're not going to find a bigger fan of this guy than me, is Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, I everyone always looks at the stats and the production and says, oh, dude, you're crazy. He's not that good. He's only a rookie. It's also the plays that he doesn't make how open he is on the field. I mean, sometimes the quarterbacks are missing him. You saw what the offense was without him. He is that electricity that gives this offense the jolt, um, his ability to create separation, catch the tough ball. I mean, he's in the top five contested catches. I mean, he is a dog at the wide receiver position that we have not had here in a long, long time. I'll be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed of what he's done in special teams as a return man this year. But with that said, he is if people say the Cooper Cup comparison, well, you know what? Cooper Cup's a top five receiver in football. If that's who we're comparing. He's the best Cup receiver to, in football this year. Right. Like, I'm okay with that. And then my number one, um, you know, it's Excellent. Xavier Howard. Yeah. I mean, this guy is awesome. Um, he is better than Sertain. He is better than Madison. He is the best defensive back playmaker that we've seen since Ed Reed. I'll continue to beat that drum. Um, X is here for the next two years, at least, I think, at this point. I don't see how they don't continue to work out this deal. He just made a million dollars for making that Pro Bowl. But, I, I, I mean, Xavier Howard is the best player on this team. I mean, he just – I was on board with tra trading him. So, like, like you know, I'm not going to sit here and run away from that. Um, I'm not right all the time, and that's great because there's no way in hell I'm letting Xavier Howard leave this football team or Byron Jones at this point. What those corners allow this defense to do is special. And I, I just really believe that he's the best corner in football still. And I think he's got two more years at that level. And dude, he is just the, the, the playmaking on the decent defensive side of the ball is just so special. So my honorable mention, obviously Zach Seiler, um, like I mentioned, fourth, most run stops, great interior defender. Um, and they even use him on the, uh, you know, as an end too. So not just, you know, stuck on the inside. I like how they move him around as a chess piece a little bit. My number 10 guy is actually DVP. Um, you know, I can't put him over Gesicki because of his availability. I mean, uh, that's just, I mean, I don't know what else to say. That's what it is. Um, you know, <clears throat> um, I mean, he's got, he's contributed when he's been healthy. That's what's frustrating. He's already got 457 yards um, on 34 receptions, he's got two touchdowns as well. Um, but you know, Devontae Parker, just another year of frustration, um, from us fans of just stay healthy, man. Like, you know, if you stayed healthy, um, you've only played seven games so far, you know, on the pace you're at, he could be dealing with about 900 yards right now. And he could be flirting with another thousand yard season. We could have 2,000 yard receivers if he would have stayed healthy this year. If right. you look at his current pace and trajectory. That's a great point. That's but a great, he, but he doesn't. But he doesn't stay healthy, man. Right. And no, the, it's frustrating because you see the aspect of the the offense he brings, where Tua trusts him so much, and those 50-50 high point balls, Tua can throw them now, and he can throw them towards the sideline outside the numbers, and he knows DVP is going to make the catch, but. You know, he doesn't do that with Waddle. He doesn't do that. You know, Hollins might give you it every couple weeks, one or two of them. But, you know, 
Parker can give you like two, three, four of those in a game. And when you're in the last two minutes of the first half or the second half and you need to put points on the board, those throws are key to moving the chains and getting out of bounds. So it's frustrating that he's not healthy because it would be huge, huge for this offense if he was. So I got him at 10. Um, Mike Kosicki, I got him at nine. Um, now, you know, he's not a good route runner. He's not a good pass blocker. Um, you know, he has been, he's dropped to the sixth most. He's dropped from five to now six in terms of receiving yards amongst tight ends. Goddard climbed up and he's now like ahead of him by like 50 yards. Um, you know, you talk about two and not throwing enough touchdowns talk about a guy who's not getting in the end zone enough is Mike Gusecki that's my big knock for him um two touchdowns come on man you know you get hit in the face mask you drop the football like if you look up into that Ravens game he was phenomenal right we were like pay this man right the Ravens game and the lights it's been like what the hell like if he would have kept that trajectory up he probably would have made in and around our top five Right, you know what right. I mean, like, it, you're 100 right. I mean, since that Ravens game, it's I don't it's know. been a tale of two 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 stories, right? And, and the first half, he looked like that top five guy, yeah. And then he's looked very pedestrian on the second half. And you know, he blocked me on Twitter for telling him he should have called that boy <laughs> him in the face mask. But man, uh, I, and I'm seeing we're lying though. Find the lie. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm, what I mean? I'm, like, listen, yeah. Neil, if you're not gonna run crisp, solid routes, which is how these bigger guys like Kelsey and Andrews and Kittle can separate. As with Kyle Pitts and Goddard, they run really nice routes. And if you if you're not going to run good routes to create separation, and if you're not going to give me anything in terms of pass blocking and run blocking when I need you to, you better win those high point catches. You better make those high like this guy will miss a high point catch with his bread and butter, but then against the Giants. Behind the two yards behind the line of scrimmage, he decides he's going to make a one-handed snag behind him. And it's like, come on, bro. If you're not going to give me the route running and the blocking, you better give me the yep. catch production when you are targeted. Like, here's the thing. You have 64 receptions. You've been targeted 92 times still thus far. I mean, if you do the math, that 94 is fourth, monks, um, fourth most amongst tight ends but Goddard has 48 receptions he has 16 less than you but he has almost 50 yards he has what 46 yards more than you well uh, how is that happening you know Darren Waller he's got 11 catches less than you and yet you and he's been out and you only have 42 yards more than him and on top of that Darren Waller he's lined up in line 50 percent of the time whereas Mike Gusecki is lined up in line 5% of the time. So, you know, you got to be more than just a glorified, you got to be more than a glorified slot and boundary guy. And if you're going to be that, you better make the catches when they come your way. My number eight guy, um, I'm a little, I guess I'm a little harder on him than you. It's Christian Wilkins. Um, I still don't think he's fully taken the pass rush leap I needed him to take. He's gotten a bit better, but you know, I look at Jeffrey Simmons right now, who was drafted a couple picks after him. And I asked myself, who would I take Jeffrey Simmons or Christian Wilkins? Sorry, bro. I'm taking Jeffrey Simmons every time. All right. I'm sorry. I like Christian Wilkins. 
of taking Jeffrey Simmons. All right. I agree with you when you name the other guys he, he's passed, including Dexter Lawrence. He's passed those guys, but Jeffrey Simmons, I don't think he's passed. Um, but you know, he's fantastic in run defense. Um, you know, um, Right now, I think he's what second in the NFL. He's got 28 run stops. He's three behind Jeffrey Simmons. Um, so you know, um, 37 tackles. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I think now he did he take the leap in the pass rush ability I wanted him to take? No, but he has taken a little bit of a step forward in terms of as a you know, offering us something in, in pass rush. I mean, he's already got 23 pressures on the season and three sacks. Um, so he hasn't tied his 30 pressure number, obviously from his rookie season, because the rest of the season has to play out, but he does have one more sack than he, you know, than his career. He's had two sacks each and every year. So, you know, you get to that five sack number, I'll be really happy with him. So he has taken a leap, but I, I just don't look at him as a, consistent pass rushing forth. My number seventh guy is Jalen Phillips. I mean, everyone in this community knows how high I'm on this kid and how high I have been on this kid for quite some time. Um, you know, I mean, what can I say? Jalen Phillips is a special, special player and he's going to be an impact player. Like he's an impact player right now, but he's going to be a game changer in a couple years, I truly believe that when I look at this kid, um, you know, when you look at like when you compare him up into against his uh, his rookie compadres, right? Um, now, still, you know, he's only five behind pressures behind Oway, so he's number two in pressures. Um, you know, when you look at if we don't we count Parsons as a linebacker, right? You know, he leads all rookie edge rushers you know in in sacks um if you were to look at you know i think he's what second in hits too and i think he's like fifth in hurries so i mean and this is a guy who what's crazy but people don't realize is his snap counts fluctuate yeah he's not always on the field that's for sure they give van ginkle a lot of burn you know what i mean and like isn't it kind of crazy where, um, you know, you look at that, uh, what that that Jets game, that first Jets game where he had those sat, where he had a couple sacks. He was only on the field, for, I believe, that game for like twenty nine snaps. Neil, like crazy. So his, his lateral movement ability is, is so special, man. Like why his understanding of pursuit angles is very special. Yeah, he almost got Zach Wilson on a play where it was also I forget who the defender was kind of in his way. He kind of shoved him and he kept running parallel side to side with Wilson. I mean, Wilson had to throw it away, but that was just a glimpse of how special of an athlete Jalen Phillips was. Yeah. I it, think he's better than Oway. I actually think the cream of the crop are him, Ojalari, and Parsons. When you talk about pass rushers from the linebacking level, or you know, up on yeah. the line of scrimmage, wherever, I think those are your three best Parsons pass rushers. Is, Parsons is the best of them all. He's the best. Oh yeah, he's special football. But Jalen Phillips is definitely better than Oway. I, I don't even think that's close. Um, yeah, either do I. Oway's fizzled also. I, I don't think Oway's got a sack in six games. So yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, so my number six guy. Yeah, we're at number six right now. Is Byron Jones? I think he's quietly had a fan 
fantastic, fantastic season. I mean, you look at the Jets game, bro. He allowed one reception on four targets for nine yards. Uh, he had two pass breakups. He had a run stop, and he allowed a 39.6 NFL passer rating when he was targeted. If you look at him and X on this six-game winning streak, they've actually been crazy good. Um, you know, when you look at the number and, you know, you see the tape, I mean, and and look at how they've been moving. You know, I mean, Byron Jones and X, they don't lock in on one guy. I mean, they cover whoever comes through. You know what I mean? So. Sure. I think people are really – and it's another thing of people look at the interception and that's a sexy stat. But Byron Jones isn't that. He's a lockdown guy. He's not a ball hawk. Cover he's, guy. Yeah, he's a coverage guy. He's not a ball hawk. You know what I mean? He is a lockdown guy. That's what he's known for. And I agree with you. The tackling could be a little bit better at times. But Byron Jones has been very, very reliable this year. Absolutely. And – People need to start putting – I think our own fan base underrates them because of the money we paid them. They expect uh, ball production numbers. But, that, <laughs> but that's not his game meal, and people right. need to put respect on his – him, he, him, he's just as – well, I won't say just as, but he's right under X in terms of you know importance to this team right now no, um, and this defense. No, we need him. Yeah. No Emmanuel Ogba. I got him at number five. Should have paid him before you paid Sanders, before you paid Baker. You know how I feel about all that, Neil. People wanted to come at your boy because I was telling them what it is. Um, you know, Ogba leading the NFL and passes batted down right now. Um, you know, 35 hurries, 13 hits. Um, you know, he's got 57 total pressures. Right now, um, and sack-wise, Neil, I mean, how impressive has he been this year for you in terms of sack production numbers? I mean, we're at what? What are we at right now? We are at, I think, on the year we're at what? Um, we're at seven, right? And yeah, seven. seven. And so now he's only two behind his career high that he set last year. And yet he's still got as many games as we got with an extra game on the schedule. I mean, he's got three games left to break that it's realistic. He could finish with double digits. If he finishes with double digits, we are going to be ponying up the money. I think Emmanuel Logba is, I would pay Emmanuel Logba before I paid Mike Gusecki. Let me put it that way. Um, my number four guy is Javon Holland. Um, I actually originally had him at number two. I think our slow start to our defense last week was not only Russ, but attributed to Javon Holland not being there because I think he's one of the best communicators back there. I think, you know, I know Byron and X and their experience and their ability doesn't give, a, a, you know, allows a rookie to a little bit more free range because you don't have to worry about what they're doing and such. But Javon Holland has just been the cherry on top of this secondary and him. Uh, I think him, um, X, and Byron Jones are, when you talk about safety corner combos, find me a better one in the NFL right now. Yeah, and, and I think if you throw Brandon Jones and Eric Rowe in that equation and Nick Needham and Justin Coleman, I mean, I think that's the best secondary in football. Oh, it is. I agree. It's the most and no, um, rounded out. out. Yeah, it's the most rounded out, 110%. I mean, and... um. 
you know, look at the pressures he was getting this year. Um, obviously, I say it like he's out for the year or whatever, but, um, you know, look at what he was, you know, look at what he was able to do in that cover zero. I mean, Bobby McCain wasn't able to do that when we went to that cover zero. Oh, he, 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 I mean, he's better as a rookie than Bobby McCain ever was. You know what I mean? I mean, he doesn't lead rookies. He leads all safeties, him and Brandon Jones, respectively. Uh, Javon Holland has 15. Brandon Jones has 14 pressures. The next closest is Daniel Sorensen with 10. Well, and, and, and one thing I'll throw in there is that, like, Brandon Jones had a nice sack that his ability to get. Brandon Jones is a really good football player. Man. Yeah, he should have made the honorable mentions, to be honest with you. Well, and, and, and you know, and, and another guy who's been a phenomenal player who's on honorable mention, probably the unsung hero of this team is Matt Collins. But, I mean, you win with people like Brandon Jones, Matt Collins, and Zach Seiler. You know, those are the guys, those guys that you have tucked away in the middle of your roster that make those type of impact plays are very important. I agree. And then exactly like you, I have Tua Tungvaloa at number three. Um, I mean, what else do you have to say except go watch right. us with Brissett in and go watch us with Tua in? It's Franchise lovely. quarterback. But yep, I think he he's, you know, I think uh, he's fantastic. Even when he has the worst game of his career, he still musters enough out to get the win. Number two, Jalen Waddle. Um, I actually had him and Javon Holland flipped at one point, but I, I put Jalen Watt on too. You saw how big of a cog and how big of a key he is to this offense by his absence on Sunday. Um, and Jalen Waddle, I mean, <laughs> Dolph, uh, you know, I uh, I argued with wannabe Dolphin writers about Jalen Waddle because they said it would be a stupid pick to take Jalen Waddle. At six, especially with Devontae Smith on the board, it would be a terrible pick, et cetera, et cetera. And yet Jalen Waddell, to me, has been the best. I don't care about Jamar Chase. He's been wiped out. Yeah, he's it, better than Jamar Chase. Yeah. It, once they took away that deep stuff from Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase has not been lighting it up the same way. Um, Jalen Waddell, for you look at what he was able to do with his average depth of target, with everything, um, you know, this guy, he's already got man. He's a, you know, he plays this weekend this, on Monday. He's beating. He's probably gonna, he's going to beat Chris Chambers' record. He yep. only needs like just under forty yards to beat it. I believe he's going to beat that. Oh, he, you know, if he plays the three game final three games, he only needs fifteen receptions to beat Anqu Anquan Bolden. I mean, he could get very well ten or eleven of those needed fifteen on Monday. Let's be honest with ourselves. Um, I think this kid is special. I had him as wide receiver one. I think he's going to be um a top three receiver in the NFL within three years. I think Jalen Waddle is a goddamn stud, and we haven't even truly tapped into what this kid can do, and that's a scary thought. And then number one, just like you, Xavier Howard. I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, this you guy. <laughs> I mean, look at what he did with uh. You know this. You know helping seal off the Patriots game. You know helping seal off the Baltimore Ravens game. And you look at especially on this winning streak, Neil. I want. I want. I want you. I want you to see this. Okay. So we started our winning streak in in, in Week Nine against Houston, right? I'm going to read off the NFL passer ratings he's allowed since Week Nine. 
and 39.6. Yeah, not bad. Like, this guy is getting it done. And in that span, he has two touchdowns. uh, Sorry, two interceptions. He has a pass breakup. You know what I mean? Um, And he has a forced fumble. And he has three run stops. I mean, Xavier Howard. For a touchdown, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Xavier Howard is the best playmaking it's not even close i mean brett grimes and another pro bowl (laughs) yeah brent grimes might be the only guy in terms of playmaking ability that we've had that that position but this guy blows brent sorry mika this guy blows brent out of the water this guy is the best playmaking corner in the nfl it's not even close xavier howard is the best player on this team and i was opposite of you i was one of those people saying pay this man we cannot run our defense without this man, especially because I did, you know how I feel about Noah inactivity. I don't even call him McBenogany anymore. Um, you know how I feel about him. And I think Xavier Howard, I think he's a man. He's a, he's a special player. And I, I, I want him to, I, I pray he retires a dolphin because he deserves it. Yeah. He's ring of honor type of player, man. Yep, I, I agree. He is. He really is. I mean, the, the plays he makes, I mean, he's going to be critical down this stretch. And- I'm going to say this. I'm going to go on this. Sorry. He's having a hall of fame career. And this is why I'm saying that hall of famers. This is why I distinguish a hall of famer. If I can talk, if I can talk about that era, you played in, and your position without mentioning you, you're not a Hall of Famer. But if I talk about your position in the area you played in, and I can't talk about that position without leaving your name out, I think you're a Hall of Famer. And I think Xavier Howard's a Hall of Famer because of that. Yeah, I mean, man, he is. He, he is. just doesn't have the accolades. And let's be honest, he got screwed out of Defensive Player of the Year because he put up better numbers than what Stefan Gilmore put up the year before. And that wasn't even Aaron Donald's best numbers of his career. And Stefan Gilmore was able to win with lesser numbers. Yeah. No, I I think I couldn't believe he only got three votes that, that year. Bull. I was I was, was actually I was shocked. It was bull. So bro, the Saints, primetime Tua, we are walking into a game with uh we're gonna be facing the 17th best passing defense, the sixth best rushing defense, the sixth best scoring defense, um, you know, the fifth be- 15th best rushing offense, the uh, 30th best passing defense. I mean, uh, what are your um, – and what's, what a really good battle is going to be is they have the 10th best third down defense. We have the 10th best – sorry, the ninth best third down offense. That, so, I mean, yeah. what are you looking at here? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to act like their defense doesn't give me, you know, make me a little nervous, right? Cameron Jordan versus Jesse Davis. I mean, if I'm the Saints, man, I'm finding every which way to keep it that way and, and do whatever I can. You know, David Onyamata, I don't, I don't know how to say his last name, in the defensive front, he's a beast. Marcus Davenpoint's had a good year. Demario Davis, a linebacker. Marcus Williams at safety with Malcolm Jenkins and PJ Williams and Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, they have a good defense Um, just because Tom Brady wasn't effective. You know, some teams, like you said, have teams numbers. You know, we're going to need the good Tua. 
We're going to need the non-turnover to it to win this game. I think having Duke Johnson is going to give us an element on the running yeah, game. And Lindsey, Lindsey back too, right? Yeah, and, and I and I think that Jalen Waddle is mm. the most important player on the whole team. And I think him being able to win some one of those one-on-one matchups. Look, there in that dome, you run fast. Yeah. And and Jalen Waddle is going to be burning and blazing on that field. Can't wait. And, and I think Taysom Hill's an awful quarterback. And I think our defense is going to force him into errors. Like we we struggle against and Neil. The last time we saw two in a dome, if I remember correctly, was Arizona, and we all know how that went. Right, and, and, and Tua's going to have to be the better quarterback. And look, Taysom Hill, like you know, we we struggle against mobile quarterbacks mm-hmm. like Josh Allen, right? But th- yeah. this guy isn't like that. And Wilson, we had some problems with too. You know, blitzing this guy, he's horrible under pressure. I mean, they don't have Michael Thomas. The only player on that offense that scares me that scares me. Well, their line is really good. Eric McCoy, Ryan. Uh, Ramchak and uh, Taron Armstead. They have a great offensive line. Says Alvin Kamara, is. Alvin Kamara is phenomenal. No. But like on the outside at receiver, honestly, they don't have much all they got is Marquez Callaway, really. Yeah, right? and, and who the hell is their tight end? I don't even know who their tight end end is. I, I, I really, I knew it was Jared Cook last year. I don't even know who it is. But like you know, on the outside, they don't scare me. I think maybe Traquan Smith might be one of their receivers. Um, you know, I I just think that it, it's going to be a defensive showdown. It's on prime time. Look, a, a home game for the Saints on Monday Night Football in New Orleans. Dome will be loud. Dolphins are going to have to be prepared. They're going to have to be crisp. They're going to have to come out early and play well. Um, stopping the run is probably the most important factor to me. The defense causing a few turnovers is paramount here. I have Miami winning this game 20-19, to 19, uh, that close, a nail-biter. We're all going to be um, – you know, uh, chewing our nails off and drinking whiskey and doing everything we need to do to calm our nerves. Um, it's going to be one of those games, but I just have a feeling that when you when you look at this team under Brian Flores, they've played really well under prime time. You mentioned Tua with that it factor. Jalen Waddle has that it factor too, by the way. Those guys, for their first time in their careers, being on Monday Night Football, they're Alabama guys, man. Like this mm-hmm. is they're they're cut different than most people, right? They 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 live for this. The Dolphins are a team that feels they don't they don't get the respect they deserve. Xavier Howard, right? That guy plays lights out on primetime. I, I I just think the Dolphins stars are going to shine here, and the Saints might get their yards. I think we're going to see a bend but not break Miami defense. A lot of field goals for the Saints. Not a lot of touchdowns. And I think when it's all said and done, that quarterback that gets all the scrutiny um, there in the national media, he's going to be having a very efficient game um, and, and be the difference maker that elevates this Dolphins team to eight and seven. And the probably one of the best stories in the actually in the entire NFL. Yeah, I got us winning 17 to 16. I think it's going to be a tight game, too. Um, you know, like you, Kamara is the only one that really worries me on the offensive side of the football, but that defense, especially that front seven, Demario Davis, Quan Alexander, linebackers, Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport. Um, and then you look at like Lattimore and Malcolm Jenkins are actually like really good in the run game too. Malcolm Jenkins, that's like 22 run stops. Like, like they're good in the run game too. So, you know, the defense, you know, they give me, you know, pause for caution, but their offense, I feel like if we set that edge and we contain Kamara's explosive plays and we go ahead and we contain Taysom to the pocket and make him try and beat us with his arm, 
I think uh, we're going to create turnovers. We're going to get opportunities, and I think it might be a long night for New Orleans. But you got to wonder when the game's going to happen when we go heavy cover zero because if you notice, we've kind of backed off it a little bit, right, ever since. So um, I, I'm just, you know, I think we should get the job done. Um, it's the last two games that start to make me a little bit more nervous. But primetime two is going to have the ability, you know, the whole nation's going to be watching this. Um, I, I can't wait, man. Like, you know, what a great, you well, know, prime time, prime time football. What a great Christmas present. Well, let me throw a couple things at you that I just, I'm pulling up the saints and I'm looking at their roster and their starting tight end is Adam Troutman. And, and I remember him coming out of the draft, but he's out of the game because he's on the COVID list. So he is going to be out of the game. Both of their offensive tackles, Ryan Ramchek and Taron Armstead are questionable. So, don't know what's going on there, but I mean, obviously, if either of those two are out, that is a tremendous feather in the Dolphins' cap. Um, Jawan Johnson and Garrett Griffin are the other two tight ends on their roster, and they're both out because of COVID as well. Um, their first round pick, um, Peyton Turner, he's been on the injured reserve, he's out. We know about um, Michael Thomas being out, um, and Andres Pete, who's their starting left guard, typically, he's out for the season. I mean, they, they're dealing with some injuries um, I, like that could be pretty significant. Um, you know, Ryan Ramchek's one of the best right tackles in football. I mean, there's a guy that I'd give our first round pickup for if the because the Saints are in, against the cap big time next year. Uh, if we could get Ryan Ramchek for a first round pick, I would do it in a, in a, in a second. Uh, I don't think they're going to they're going to keep him, though, because he played left tackle in college. I think they're going to shift them back. Let Armstead walk. They gave him that big extension, I think. The line they're going to try and keep, it's going to be the rest of the guys like Michael Thomas and stuff they move on from. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and I and I can see that. Yeah, I mean, and, and give me him. Uh, I'll take Taron Armstead then. But, yeah, uh, it's interesting to see, you know, as this week progresses. And then, like, you know, the one, the one you know, elephant in the room is do we even know what's going to happen? I mean, staying healthy, getting off that COVID list is very important down the stretch for the Dolphins. I mean, you need to make sure 100% that you have your stars on there because we saw even a team like the Jets can push you to the limit if you don't have a Javon Holland and a Jalen Waddle. And, and I will say I'm a little nervous that Javon Holland hasn't been cleared yet. Um, I, I, I don't know the protocol completely to understand what's going on, but I think we really need to see him practice tomorrow or there's a chance that he might, he might be out again, again this week. And I think that would be a huge blow um, because the last time we were on primetime, the MVP of the football game was Javon Holland. And, um, you know, he was actually the best number eight on the field in a game where Lamar Jackson was on the field. So, um, you know, I, I think it's paramount that we get him out there. Uh, but, you know, yeah, 2019 Dolphins, uh, you know, I, 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 I can't wait. Uh, Monday night football, it, when you get those Thursday night games, it's one thing, man. But when you're on a Sunday night or a Monday night football game, the world's watching you. It, it, it's so much fun. Um, biggest game of Tua Tungvaloa's professional career. And, you know, to my point earlier about pressure, uh, I think the uh, the kid from Alabama is going to be just fine. Can't wait, brother. Man, always a pleasure doing this with you guys. Man, make sure you share um, the podcast. Um, tell your friends about it. Let's get some more, um, you know, let's get some more people interested in this, man. Um, I appreciate doing this with you, Neil, as always. Guys, we will catch you back here when we dive back in, fin too deep until then. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Everyone stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And as always, it fins up all day, every day.